Good morning, church. My name is Lexi, and I have the honor of serving as the youth pastor around here. Um, And I also get the privilege of welcoming you this morning, and I am so excited to see your faces and to have you here. Um, Last night, our church staff got together for a Christmas party. And I don't know about you, but Christmas parties get me really excited for the Christmas season for multiple reasons. We get to light the Advent candles, we get to learn so much more about what it looks like to get into the Christmas spirit. And I just have to tell our church family, my Christmas miracle yesterday was out of 14 people, all of the church staff and some significant others, I was the only one to get a hole-in-one at our mini golf, the last round. And I just have to tell you, I'm probably the least athletic out of everyone, and I did it. So... That was my miracle yesterday. Um, But in all seriousness, I am so excited that we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus over the next few weeks. And it is hard to believe that Christmas is a week from today. Um, I will um, pray for us and we will go ahead and get our morning started. Dear God, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to celebrate the birth of Jesus and all that that means for us in our Christian tradition, the ways that we get to reflect on what it looks like to wait for something special, what it wrap, what it looks like to wrap up in a season of anticipation, of hope, love, joy, and peace and the ways that we get to live into who you are through the birth of Jesus. And I pray over this space that your presence will be known and that we get to be invited into this beautiful story of what it looks like to spread your love and your joy and your peace to everyone around us. And I am thankful that I get to do it in this place. We pray this in your holy and precious name, amen. Good morning, everybody. If you're able to, let's stand together and worship this morning. In our worship, would we remember the story of the birth of Jesus and all the characters in it? We'll be singing of the shepherds, we'll be singing of the angels, that sing of God's glory, being the highest. Put yourself in those shoes today of Christ's birth. We have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the praise. And the mountains in reply, echoing their joy.
Christ was born and brought us all salvation. Thy blessed Christmas morn, and He will bring the kingdom through hope, peace, joy, and love, and gift us with the freedom of Christ living in us. Oh, Justin, Jocelyn, this is my wife Sutton, and um, we've been a part of the um, community here remotely for the first eight years of our marriage when we lived in Oklahoma, and um, we would hear reports from Sutton's dad, Pastor D, Daddy D, as I like to call him, Um, and uh, get to visit on the holidays and be a part of services similar to this with you. Um, And then four years ago, we got the opportunity to move here to San Diego and be a part of this community. And it's been such a joy to um, be live and in person and a part of um, this beautiful place and this beautiful community that um, we have here. And so um, this morning, we have the opportunity to read um, about our fourth Sunday of Advent um, this is going to be um, the, we'll be lighting the candle that represents the love of God. We are about to enter the fourth and final week of this fourth Advent season. Advent means the coming. We can think about Christ coming in three different ways. One, Christ came into the world as a vulnerable infant child. 
two, Christ comes into our lives every day in the form of the Holy Spirit. And three, Christ will return again. This morning, we pay special attention to Christ's coming as a baby as we celebrate the loving act of Christ's incarnation. The incarnation of the divine is ultimately a scandal that God, the creator of all things, would enter human life with its depravity, violence, and corruption. At the same time, this scandal is a reminder that God has not abandoned us to the darkness and violence around us. God is with us. Christ is Emmanuel. And now the spirit of Christ has taken up residence within us. It is the mark of true love that God would empty himself of his divinity and take on the form of a human while making himself vulnerable to rejection. Christ's incarnation is an act of sacrificial love. God, in human flesh and experience, embodied compassion in its purest form, thereby redeeming the real and raw emotion of humankind in all of our nuances and developmental stages from birth until death. The love of God embodied that we may know God the way of love. The incarnation is an act of pure love. As we acknowledge the ups and downs that mark our life stories, would we also remember Christ incarnate as an invitation to be present in the lives of those who suffer among us, to tune our attention to the image of God reflected in our neighbor, and to love one another as Christ has loved us. Oh! 
let's stand together and sing these next words. Would you be moved and inspired to mirror God's selflessness today? To be, be pulled in the calling that Christ has given us.
Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you all. I always feel like I'm being tricked by being the person that has to break up all this lovely conversation every week. Um, but go ahead and say your final hellos, make your way back to your seats. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Tyler. I'm the Director of Communication here at San Diego First Church. And Merry Christmas. I feel like we're finally close enough to the actual day where I can say that. And it's not like, I don't feel the tension of how dare you remind me that it's only a couple weeks away <laughs> and I have so much to do. Um, even if you still have a lot to do or if you're finally in that season of relaxing and getting ready to enjoy the holidays, however you plan to spend them, I hope you have a Merry Christmas from all of us here at San Diego First Church. Um, um, uh, before we continue with our worship service this morning, just a few things I want to make sure that you know about. And first up is that it's time for us to dismiss our kids and teens over to their children's church and a teen Bible study programming. So uh, the way we do this is we read out loud this prayer together. It'll be up on your screen. It's also in the bulletin. And if you'll join me in reading this prayer aloud this morning. This is my prayer for you, our children, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. See you kids, see you teens. Um, at this time, also, I'll direct you to the QR code that's on the very front of your bulletin right here. This is our digital connection card. This is, uh, if you can take your smartphone out and scan that QR code, it'll take you to a short form. And this is a great way for you to let us know that you're here, whether this is your very first time at our church or whether you're in the triple digits because you come here every Sunday. Uh, we'd love for you to fill out this form. Let us know if you have any prayer requests that you'd like to let our church staff know about, or you can let us know if there's any other information or ways that we can connect you uh, to the events and ministries and things we have going on here at our church. So this is a great contact form to let us know if there's anything that we can uh, get in touch with you about. Um, we obviously have some very exciting coming events here, starting with our Christmas Eve service, just a few short days away. Uh, we have our traditional candlelight service that will take place here in this building um, at 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. We'd love to have you there. Some beautiful Christmas music and, of course, our candlelighting tradition as well uh, to celebrate Christmas Eve together. So we'd love to have you there. Uh, the following day is a Sunday. Christmas falls on a Sunday this year. Uh, and so we will be having a short service. Uh, the Pastor D will be leaning over in the Ellipse Chapel on Sunday morning if anybody is interested um, in joining us and coming and being a part of a worship service on Christmas morning. And then the following Sunday is January 1st. And the first Sunday of 2023, the first Sunday of the new year is always a tradition around here to gather for a New Year's Sunday breakfast. And so we'll be doing that over in the Family Life Center on January 1st. Uh, come try our very famous egg casserole, uh, get together, celebrate ring in the new year uh, with your SDFC family. We'd love to have you all be there. But of course, understand if you're traveling, have other plans over the holidays, I hope you have a great one. Um, and, and truly, we just hope you all have a lot of peace and joy this holiday season. Uh, one final reminder, is that today is the last day to turn in your angel tree gifts, unless I've already spoken with you about a different arrangement. Um, if you brought them with you today, please drop them off in the foyer. We'll be taking care of wrapping those gifts and delivering those to uh, the kids that have a parent or a loved one incarcerated this holiday season um, in this coming week. So please make sure that you drop those off if you brought those with you this Sunday. Um, at this point, I'd like to invite the choir to come forward. They're going to lead us uh, in worship as we continue in song. Uh, this is a beautiful Christmas medley uh, that was originally performed at our Joyful Sounds of Christmas service um, earlier this month. So if you missed that or now get the chance to relive it a little bit, um, this is just a wonderful medley of some songs that should be familiar to you. And I was told to give you this heads up, you will be invited to join in. So please uh, be ready as our choir uh, continues to lead us in worship through song this morning.
Good morning. Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 16 reads like this. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. My name is Dee, and as I've said so many times before, it is just an incredible privilege to dig into the Word with you, which is just an offshoot of what a privilege it is to be in community with you. And for all of you who are guests this morning, and I've met several this morning who I think are either first-time guests or um, uh, just relatively recently been uh, part of joining in, I just want to say welcome. I hope you find this um, gathering, uh, if you continue to join in with us, to be warm, inviting, uh, kind, and um, exploring how we on our spiritual journey live out our faith. And if you are just passing through from out of town, I hope this is a regular stop for you when you come through San Diego, because San Diego needs to be a regular stop for nearly everyone. It's just a great place to be. I don't know if you were paying attention some time ago before the huge conflict that took place overseas about what was happening, some of the early signs, the warnings. There were several who talked about the gathering of troops at the border, the ways in which um, alliances were beginning to be formed testing the waters, it seemed, of those who are across the border, the ways by which certain citizens have since been conscripted to join in and be part of the battle, and the, again, the, the picking up of sides and deciding the cause for which you were going to fight and uh, go to war. I'm sorry, it just dawned on me. I didn't say I was talking about what was happening in Syria and Israel and Judah. Uh, some of you may have been thinking more recent history, but this is going back further. It's amazing to me how history over and over again seems to repeat itself in terms and in ways that almost seem predictable. The characters at play here are some that you may not be familiar with. Um, this passage speaks about Ahaz, the king of Judah, who is um, rather young to be the king of Judah. 
Do we have anyone here who's in their early 20s? Um, we think that King, thank you, <laughs> Jeremiah. I'm not sure that that's true, but that's okay. <laughs> or are you just saying, yeah, I'm sure there are some people in, yeah, 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 yeah. agreed. That was an agreement, like an amen. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, 20 years old is what it seems like he probably was, having taken over the throne from his father, Jotham. And having taken over the throne, not in necessarily the best of circumstances, there were some alliances that were about to take place in the people of Judah, and most likely, particularly, the leaders in Jerusalem, didn't want Jotham to create an alliance that they didn't want to happen. And so they brought about this shift in power and gave the throne to the son, who certainly was part of the lineage, but at age 20 is thrown into kind of an upheaval. Like, trained in the midst of the fire is kind of the way it feels. Because here's what's taken place. The northern kingdom, Israel, and those two, Israel and Judah, split at the end of King Solomon's reign. There have been tensions that get bigger and bigger. And not only is there tension between the northern and southern kingdom, but then there are powers outside of those two that start flexing their muscles and wanting to conquer and expand their power and position. Those two big players at this time are Syria and Assyria, going by different names here, but that's the area that is at least um, pressuring and of concern. And so, as I said, alliances are be beginning to be formed. And so, oh, we have a bird in here. How delightful. I think that maybe that just descended from up above. <laughs> Just saying, it's possible. <laughs> and King Rezin, who is part of um, this foreign land, has created an alliance with the king of Israel, Taka. And the two of them are anticipating invading Judah unless Judah joins in with their alliance against Assyria. And so God sends Isaiah to speak a word to Ahaz, a young man who probably needs more than just a word, <laughs> needs help. And not always are the people who are advising him giving him the kind of help that he really needs. So Isaiah meets him down by the aqueduct in a place that just, I don't know if it's where everyone can see or if it's one of those clandestine meetings. It's kind of hard to tell when it gives direction because I'm just not familiar with all of these landmarks. And Isaiah begins to proclaim what's going to take place. And speaking the word of the Lord references Rezin and Pekah, these two kings and their areas as burning stumps, not a very nice term, 
to describe these two leaders. But the imagery is pretty powerful. You are concerned and worried about what's taking place, and I'm telling you, they're just smoldering embers. They're going to burn out soon. Gets even more specific than that as this passage progresses. And so we pick up the story when this first conversation has taken place, and Ahaz has not responded as Isaiah thought he should. They come and have a conversation again, and Isaiah, on behalf of God, says, just ask for a sign, a sign in any fashion. Let your mind go as high as the heavens. Let them go to the depths of Sheol. Ask for whatever you will. I love that invitation. I feel like what we've been talking about in December is this invitation into spiritual imagination, prophetic imagination, thinking about God and what if? What if God is at work in ways that we don't yet see? What if we desperately need someone who loves us unconditionally? And God does. What if we need a pathway through what seems insurmountable? And God provides. The response of Ahaz sounds so beautifully pious it feels like it's just drawn right out of Scripture in another story that predates this. His response is, oh, I would never put God to the test like that. Well, it just sounds like it's a great moment for God to say, well, look at you, fantastic. I'm just going to do some great things for you because you're just so pious. It's interesting how we often think we can hide from God. Our motives, our spirit, our attitude, our actions. Isaiah then speaks and says, you're just, I get that you've treated people this way, now you're going to treat God this way? Push them aside? Not listen? It was an invitation in this imagination of what God could do. Ask for a sign, anything. Let your mind go. Oh, no, no, no. And it appears the reason is, is because he's already contemplating his own solution, doesn't want God to mess it up. I think I've got this one figured out. Now God's going to step in and throw off all the things that I'm starting to line up. And one of the things he's been thinking of is, forming an alliance with Assyria. Isaiah's ticked. Makes us wonder, is God as well and Isaiah is responding? Or is Isaiah just, maybe that's my projection onto Isaiah, simply responding to Ahaz who desperately needs a confrontation. I get that Ahaz is in a dilemma. I think all of us know what it feels like to be in a dilemma. Don't know how to handle the circumstances that are in front of us. 
And it feels like the circumstances have robbed us of our imagination. When it begins to take the energy out of you, and you no longer have the, the wherewithal to hold on to dreams or to think what might be possible, and all of a sudden the things around us get bigger than the God that's within us. The circumstances grow in size, and then I think sometimes we even begin to question, is God even here? I work real hard and lean into all the things that I religiously kind of confess, oh, I've been entrusted by God with a good mind and, and strength to do some things, and so I'm going to use all of these resources. That's how I show my allegiance. And that's good unless it gets in the way of trust in God. When it becomes I'm trusting in my own strength, my own abilities, all the things over which I have control, and I leave no room for what God might want to do, then I have taken the wonderful gifts that God has entrusted to me and have begun to worship the gifts instead of the gift giver. That seems tragic. I do it in so many aspects of my spiritual life. I was struck about three weeks ago with a phrase that has just been with me. I woke up thinking about it for some reason, and then it just hasn't left. And it's this phrase that I often work so hard at paying the price for things for which the price has already been paid. I was reminded of that very thing a week ago. I went to a great neighborhood business, Cup of Yo. It always costs me too much, but it does taste so good. <laughs> and every once in a while, I get the big canister just to take home and put in the freezer. And I had a coupon. I didn't even know they offered coupons. And it was for $5 off, which was not even going to be half off. That's how much I sometimes spend over there. And I filled up the canister, took it over there, handed the uh, coupon to the gentleman behind the counter, and I could tell that it wasn't going real well, punching in the numbers, and I'm not sure what numbers he punched in, but at the end of it, he said, everything's paid. And I said, hold on, this coupon is just for $5. I'm reading it right here. It says it's all paid. Okay, hold on. I just want to make sure before I walk out this door that I'm not shortchanging. Nope, it says right here, painful. Okay. Well, maybe a gratuity in this little thing over here. I, I just had this, it was so hard for me to walk out thinking that I still had something that I owed. And as I'm walking to my car, I still feel like I owe something, but I, I was walking to my car and there was this beautiful reminder. Do you, how often do you do that with your salvation? I don't spiritualize things all the time. Don't think that that's just constant with me, like I'm spiritualizing cup of yo. But, but the thought crossed my mind, is this not how often you handle your relationship with God? The price has been paid. Grace is a free gift. The sacrifice has been made. You are unconditionally loved. 
There's nothing you can do that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And how often you start forgetting that powerful freedom and keep struggling under the weight and burden of what has yet to be paid, even though it's already been paid. I've also taken it in another direction, and that is there are people in my life here who periodically want me to pay for something for which I've already apologized or corrected, but love to bring up history in the past. And just inwardly, I have found myself saying, you know, Dee, the price has already been paid for that. You don't need to hold that again. Let it go. You know what I'm talking about? History just weights us down. I sometimes ruminate on some things that are long since passed, everyone's forgotten about except for me. D, let it go. The price has been paid. Now walk out of the store and smile. I feel like that part of the struggle with Ahaz is the price has been paid and he's still trying to figure out how to make it work. And part of that is because he doesn't yet know how it's going to work. Though the promise from Isaiah is, it will. You've not asked for a sign, Isaiah says to Ahaz, but I'm going to give you one anyway. Well, that's a pretty gracious God. And the sign is this. A young woman is with child, and she's going to give birth, and the mom is going to call the child Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, we don't have any information as to who this young woman is, but I just, in my imagination, I just have the feeling that somebody that Ahaz knows just feels that way to me, like that's how this story has to unfold. I don't know that for sure. But I'm guessing that every time he runs in to this woman and the little boy, Emmanuel, that it just keeps striking him over and over and over again. God with us. God with us. Do I trust that? God with us. God with us. You probably know that Luke uses this passage in kind of tying it into the amazing story of Jesus and Mary and Joseph. But this has a very practical Ahaz application where Isaiah comes and says, God's given you a sign. And here's the sign. God's with you. And every time you see that child or hear that child's name, you're going to be reminded that's the subtext that I just threw in at the end. It is the use of Ahaz's imagination, even though he's let go of that imagination of what God can do. Let me remind you, in the midst of the hard moments, the difficult times, the things that you struggle with, hear that name, and God's with us. Start opening up your eyes and you can look to the heavens and see evidence of Emmanuel. Look down to the depths as far as you want to look. 
Look out into the ocean, look up into the skies. Look into the eyes of someone you love. Look at the actions of someone who frustrates you to no end. It isn't a promise to Ahaz that the next few days are going to be easy or that the next few years are going to unfold just the way you want it. It's this promise. I'm with you. It's a startling promise, in part because it's just the opposite of what everyone around Ahaz is trying to sell. Alliances, conquering, war, win at all costs. And the sign is a baby. Not coming as conquering hero, but God comes as one to simply be received. A baby can't do anything but come in peace. It is such a startling image for this prophet to offer. When every solution all around by everyone who's proposing is this alliance, no, this alliance, no, not them over here. How do we win their favor? How do we get this? And God is saying, you've already won my favor. You are mine. I love you and I'm coming in such an innocent way. And I am with you. All of a sudden, the things that are within begin to grow. What does it take for seeds to grow? I'm not sure I know all the details. We have a couple in our faith community who have given their lives to studying plants and teaching others about plants. And I'm in awe of those who have amazing gardens. I have gardens, but they are far from amazing. And I've wondered, how long can you have a seed before it's no longer going to do anything? Well, come to find out, seeds can lie dormant for a long time. Normally, seeds about a year at the most, maybe two. But there's a, a lotus flower that was discovered in some place that was 1,300 years old, took root, blossomed, and bloomed. There was another one in 2006. I forget where it was discovered, but it was a date palm. 2,000 years old, planted, roots started coming out. What? I just want to ask us, what are the seeds sown inside of us that if the conditions are right, will start to grow and bloom? I've been startled over the course of the last three years. The kinds of things that have grown out of seeds that I would have never guessed were present. Plants of division and divisiveness and frustration and anger. I, I confess, the last three years in the struggle have shown things in me. I'm going... Wow, where did those seeds come from and how long have they been lying there? 
and then to pray, oh God, let these be kind of like weeds that sprout up fast and you can pull them out and be done with them. But oh Lord, the seeds that are born of your spirit, may I figure out how to let them take root and go down deep within me and spring forth over weeks and months and years and decades of that which provides good fruit, shade for others, strength for whatever confronts me. I'm not sure all of the seeds that might have been planted in our collective journey together. But as they begin to push forth under just the right conditions, let's be cautious that we recognize the fruit they bear. And do as Jesus says. Take the things that bear bad fruit. Get rid of them. Community helps us to do that. It can also help us to be blind to the terrible fruit by shielding us and giving us a place to let those things foster. And that's the confrontation by Isaiah. I need to open up your eyes to the fruit that's being born by these burning stumps that in just a few years, you won't even recognize the land and the people that you're afraid of, they're going to be gone. But I want your imagination to go to the work that God is doing in you, with you, among you, and let those seeds grow in ways that you never anticipated. And may the mantra that comes forth in the community over and over again be God with us. Where's God? Somewhere with us. What's God doing? I'm not exactly sure, but I know God's with us. Emmanuel, I can't have my eyes on just today. I've got to see the storyline that predates me by 2,700 years and goes beyond that and is going to go into the future as I collectively allow the seeds to grow that bear the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness, goodness, against which there's no law. It's what Jesus came to tell us. There's no law that holds us down when we are giving ourselves to this kind of fruit. But every once in a while, oh, may the words of Isaiah ring in our ears. Let your imagination run wild of where you might see God at work. In the craziest of places, look for Emmanuel. In the hardest of circumstances this coming year, have your eyes open because somewhere in there is Emmanuel because that's the promise. God with us. The invitation to the table is the invitation not to conquer by might and power, but it's to surrender to God's work of love 
and peace and hope with the promise that the price has already been paid in full. Matt, come and lead us to the table of grace. The table that Christ has set for us begins at the manger with the sacrifice that God makes in taking up human form, taking up residence with us, knowing our very lives in an intimate way. That we might know the whole story of how God takes us up, shapes us, and forms us into his image to be God's hands and feet, love and hope and faith in the world. So we come to the table to share in that unimaginable thing that God is with us, that God became human sacrificing from manger to cross, transforming us along the way. So we come to the table to celebrate that, to give thanks for what God has done in human history for all and for us individually as a community and those who are seeking God in the world. We practice open communion here at San Diego First Church. You don't have to be a member here. You just got to be seeking Christ. We have uh, gluten-free elements. We don't want any bars, anything to inhibit you from Christ's table. So as the servers come forward, I'd love for you to know that this is Christ's table. This is not D's table. This is not my table. This is the table that Christ has set. And if you are one who has a lot of faith, or if you are somebody who has very little, if you are one that has a lot of hope, or you are one who has come to the end of that hope, or if you're one who loves God, or if you're somebody who wants to love God more, the table is open for you. Servers, would you please come? Oh, come, all you unfaithful, come, weak and unstable, come, know you are not alone. Oh, come, barren and waiting ones, weary of praying, come, see what our God has done Christ is born Christ is born Christ is born for you Come 
so calm, though you have nothing come. He is the offering. Come, see what our God has done. So come, though you have nothing come. He is the offering. Come, see what our that Christ was betrayed, he gathered his disciples, shared a meal together. Christ took a common loaf of bread. He broke it and he blessed it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, eat in remembrance of me. Later on that evening, Christ took a cup and he gave it to his disciples. He said, drink, for this is my blood poured out for you. For this is the sign of the new covenant. So let us drink. This is the mystery of faith, that Christ has come Christ is with us and Christ will come again. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, be with us. Be with us as we continue through this season. That we might know your peace, your joy, your hope, and your love. That we might consider the sacrifice that you have made from manger to cross and that you conquered not with an army or with acts of strength of our human imagination, but you came with an imagination that blows all of that out of the water that shows us that love, your love, the forgiveness of sins, all of that is stronger than death itself. So let us go from this place knowing that we are loved in unimaginable ways and that you will continue to surprise us, prompting us to ever be on the lookout for how you will show up, reminding us of who we are and who we're called to be. We pray all this in your name. Amen. 
Now go in the grace and love of our Lord and Savior.